0: Hello and welcome to Dynasty Tactics. My name is Peter Howard at PAHowdy on Twitter and threads and everywhere else you need an app for. I am a senior DLF writer or senior writer for DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the host of the Dynasty Crossroads podcast as well as the Dynasty Grind livestream every Wednesday at 9.30pm on YouTube and Twitch. Twitch as well. I wanted a new show and Russ Fisher from the Dynasty Outhouse family of podcasts allowed me to open up a new one here on the DAP Network. Essentially, while I talk a lot about trends and broad patterns, I wanted to make a small 30-minute podcast more about tactics, actual things that you can go out and try in your league, right now, in Dynasty, whenever that happens to be. Sometimes we'll have guests, maybe sometimes we won't, maybe this first episode, I wanna roll out a thought I've had about trades, and the type of trade, why I'm starting to implement it and how, and it's up to you, yourself, if you wanna try and implement it in your dynasty leagues or wait to see if I fall on my face trying it, but sit back, relax, let me know what you think of whatever show music I find for this thing, and let's get into it. So I recently made a YouTube video about the four types of trades I try to make in Dynasty pretty much all the time. Every time I reassess my team and understand which direction it's trying to go, so what type of trades I'm prioritizing, I run through four basic types of trade offers. I want to see what's available. I start off with evaluating my roster, what do I have that someone else might be interested in, and then consider what I need or the direction I'm trying to take my team determines what type of trades I'm trying to look for. Rather than starting off with a broad idea of who's undervalued and who's a sleeper and which player I want, I try to let one, my team direction decide what type of player or position I'm interested in, and then what my team has, which might limit or make certain trades more likely or more advantageous for my teams and other teams in the league and I found that a better way of finding trades that happen more often and more likely to get done to help out both teams or at least to help out my team because that's really the only one I care about. So the four trades I I listed in that YouTube video were fairly simple. The first one is tearing up. I'm always looking to take a player who's good and turn him into something that is great. If it's a Jalen Waddle, I want to turn it into a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase. Now, those kind of tear up trades, I find best to combine with micro markets. In fact, I find all trades best to combine with micro markets. And that's where you do let the market or what's undervalued or overvalued come into the thought process towards the end. So is anyone likely to be lower on Justin Jefferson right now and more likely to do a trade on him for some reason than they were last week or last time I tried this? No, probably not. Okay, move on. Who on my roster could be tiered up and what can I go and get? The second one is always being interested in exploiting the onesie positions. Depending on what league format you're playing on, the onesie positions might be, a, it might even be kicker in your league. But typically it's quarterback and tight end. I play in a lot of super flex leagues, but even then I want to explore the quarterback position pretty actively in general. But I'm going to look at those two positions. Once I've got out the tier out section, I want to consider both positions and which one is really my weakest area. And then look around the lead for a team that might have something they can add to my roster that fits with what I have available that might intimidate, might attract, sorry, them into a trade where i can improve that position i find quarterback and tight end especially in non superflex but also in superflex can be underrated sometimes at the very top tier especially at quarterback right now there is such a thirst for that second tier of quarterbacks that i quite often find myself tearing up those quarterbacks but outside of that There's depth at the position that other people are less interested in sometimes if I need a quarterback two and a super flex or combining multiple deeper or just top eight top 12 quarterbacks together to try and get one of those elite assets can often help out my quarterback position. Tight end, there's a really thick and interesting middle class of tight ends. We're also in a really interesting era where tight ends should be breaking out a little bit more than they have been. So we might see some new shining stars and tight ends tend to be a little weird. That's one of the reasons the ADP from DLF ranks has risen outside of the first 80 tight ends taken. Overall, in DLF ranks, over the last few months that I've been tracking for one of my DLF articles, rankers are getting more and more interested in very deep tight ends, especially in their sophomore season, or just undrafted and somewhat underrated in terms of what they've done, because we're entering a period where we should expect more of them to do more than we typically see on a yearly basis, because that position seems to be ripe for newcomers. The third type of trade I'm always looking to try to exploit or look for potential offers in my dynasty leagues is sophomores. Now, I'm using sophomore fairly holistically here. Second year players are where we see the largest pr- production increases, but they're also where we see the largest volume increases. And so, looking for sophomores who had good to above average rookie seasons and trying to exploit that market or get them on my roster strongly is somewhere I try to act very actively act very actively great first podcast here Pete in Dynasty because they are the biggest value movers as well players who confirm a solid rookie season tend to rise up extraordinarily quickly after a solid year two or above average year two performance now I say holistically because sometimes like this year Wide receivers aren't in a great breakout year in terms of we should expect two top 12 wide receivers to be finishing in the top 12 for the first time and probably about four inside the top 24 for the first time because that's about average. But over the last three years, in fact, over the last four, we've been outkicking our coverage in terms of the number of young stars, especially young stars with decent draft capital to enter the top 12 and top 24 for the first time in their rookie years and in their sophomore year, and I just don't expect that to continue forever, and so I expect more of a down year, and trends suggest players who miss time, or a little uglier, perhaps the ugly ducklings of the breakout group, might be a little more likely, because we should just expect some of those ugly ducklings to be happening a little bit more often than they have been. So a player like Ronald Moore, Rashad Bateman is interesting to me this year, because they're unusual, although Rashad's continual injury history keeps trying to quash that hopes and dreams but lower drafted players and players entering their third year who have not yet finished in the top 24 are a little bit more interesting to me this year as well as returning players but trade for the olds is just a constant dynasty philosophy. Which actually bleeds in well to the fourth category. Because it's a sleeper category, or you could call them a my guy category. It's the area where I think most Dynasty content emphasizes trade offers. That's the market value. Who is low or who is too low or too underrated or too overrated in everyone else's opinions. If we may speak for the group just using ADP or who we want everyone else to be low on because we want trades to happen. I find these the least successful when starting from that premise because it's mostly really easy to get hyped and excited about a player you want to hit if we can describe everyone else as too low on them. But often that's just a conversational tool. Often when you go to the player in your league, they either listen to the same podcast, read the same content, or they too also like Trelon Burtz and they're not really interested in trading him where his currently ADP suggests he should be traded. But this is also, and the reason I broaden it out is because this is also where the old players falling in ADP or in market or in general actually do tend to more consistently be undervalued technically for their points if not their long-term value if you have a more competitive roster and this is where roster eva- evaluation really comes in handy when trying to establish what types of offers you want to go and make in leagues if you want to hear more about that by all means check out that video uh, I, i've probably written it up somewhere or come hit me up on the dynasty grind but those are the four main areas i really highlighted of trades i go looking for specifically and starting with names only really begins in that fourth category the other three are more about looking at my team and seeing what's available to trade away and what my team desperately needs to improve on where the weaknesses are and then going considering my league mates teams that fourth category i think is often overemphasized but After making that video, I ended up wondering about other types of trades. None of them are very actionable. Despite the fact I've broken it down, I think I've come up with four solid categories and ways to look for them, without just generically pumping one or two names I personally am trying to actively trade for. DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman, and stuff like that, Michael Thomas. And instead, what about trades that are easy to do, and to do that? I had to go and think about things that I don't like because unless we assume that our league mates are idiots and personally I find most of them to be as avid dynasty players with aware of as much information as I am then it's awful hard to get most of those done on a regular basis and to be clear I don't mean that In a very specific sense. Because obviously falling old players can easily fill in one of the categories I just mentioned. Adam Thielen's greatly discounted right now for a team that's competitive. He is interesting. Uh, Donald Mooney, after a disappointing third career year last year, um, is falling and older and undrafted. And running backs are tumbling down ADP. So things other people don't like is very generic. To explain the perspective I'm coming from, I tend to think of Dynasty as most teams operating within a 70% range, in that there are about 15% of teams in the Dynasty monolith that is the entire thing, who are actively, or should be rather, actively building, just throwing caution to the wind, not caring about values or trades or directions they just want to add value to their squad because they are rebuilding and 15% of squads should probably consider themselves a top three team and actively trying to compete more desperately than anyone else this year because it's clearly a window for them to compete. Now obviously there are ranges within all of those but the majority of teams I genuinely think operate within this 70% category where we could be closer to building or closer to rebuilding or closer to competing, but ultimately you don't want to make any drastic moves. You're trying to kick the can down the road because reality, in a dynasty league it's important to remember, is hard to predict. We do relatively poorly predicting one year out, let alone two years and three years. And so we're trying to increase our points per game, obviously, and compete, but also keeping an eye on value, no matter how far towards that competitive window we are. So different trades will be more or less attractive to different teams. And ultimately, because your league mates have to run a similar function, lots of good trades won't get done in your league. And that's for the same reason lots of bad trades get done in almost every league that everyone posts on Twitter and says, look how easy it is to trade for Justin Jefferson. This guy foolishly gave him away for only two first round picks. And, you know, this uh, guy more. And you're like, dang, I wish I could do that. I'm not talking about those kind of things people don't like. I'm talking about, in the broad sense, things that you can add to your weapons of tactics to try to go look for that might improve your overall situation in points per game further down the line or value further down the line. And given the period of the year it is, I actually ended up thinking about all the depth running backs that I'm currently dropping off my roster because I strongly believe that most roster spots possible should be spent at running back most of the year, especially off the waiver wire, to try it because I think that, well, I know that position creates value or... Sp- in terms of points per game or tradability, more often, more consistently over time, and so play, and they come from nowhere, as in the waiver wire or further down ADP and further down ranks, more often, and so I tend to pillage the waiver wire and trades to add those deeper running backs. As I was dropping a lot of them off my various rosters because they've become free agents which is a trigger sign for me where I dropped them to add another one who managed to maintain a job at this point of the preseason, just before the season begins uh, as roster cuts happen they happen on my leagues too to add more frankly I started to wonder about the few that had gained value Um, and it's not just running backs uh, wide receivers that I was strongly taking in the fourth round to start the offseason of rookie drafts, and then the third round, and now everyone's declaring they're a genius because they took them in the second round, or running backs who did well in preseason. Now, while running backs and tight ends actually come from nowhere more often and have these immediate points per game opportunities more directly especially at running back because you can immediately get the job be given volume much more so that a wide receiver or tight end or quarterback because you kind of have to earn it a little bit more and the volume itself has to be performed on so it's a little bit of more of a tricky calculation i ended up thinking about the ones that don't hit and a similar process that zach reeve from the dynasty dummies podcast talks about on his own podcast and also on the dynasty grind every week occurred to me but For the opposite end of the scale. He always talks about selling. Top flight running backs. Within their first three years. And he has to be very disciplined about it. Because sometimes you get Christian McCaffrey, sometimes you get Austin Eckler. Selling them in their prime at peak value can often work out to you not having that running back. So you have to sell them strongly, you have to sell them in a disciplined manner, and you have to get full value or the trade doesn't happen, obviously. The minute there were three first round picks, a running back is tradable in that mentality, and you have to try to continually do it. Because of the cautionary tale of Jonathan Taylor right now, or over the last few years, injuries and retirements and team trades and continuous problems that we always see more commonly, slightly more uncommon with running back than any other position. Now the things I don't have a process for adding to my roster, and I don't think they really carry any value in Dynasty nor should, are third and fourth round rookie picks. But... That's where a lot of these players who are immediately bumping up, at least tradability, if not actual value, are coming from on my teams. I've traded away Pierre Strong, the running back who recently got news for a trade from New England to another team. I've traded away Marvin Mims, who I really like as a prospect this year. But my team, my situation, it was just a really good trade to tear up another player. And I'll, while they are hit and miss, the ones that immediately escalate in value from the third and fourth round, even in the preseason, can be very strong trades. Which made me think, why not try to get a lot of these terrible things in the hopes of carrying a f- catching a few of those shining stars more often? To trade them away, that I think is a tactic element of this. So in other words, i want to trade my depth as often as possible and i really think it's a thing that's going to work better in season but deep running backs or wide receivers i grab in the third or even the late second that i like and have high prospects for i won't trade away for nothing or less than i got them for certainly before they started the season but if we can apply the same mentality to what zach reed does with running backs and be disciplined about it because we know that a lot of the preseason hype, a lot of the hopes entering a season, or even during a season, fade by the time the next offseason arrives. Like Damian Pierce actually had a good rookie season. And despite being valued as a late first-round pick by a lot of people by the time the season got here, now he's somewhat poo-pooed as a fourth-round dynasty ad in line for plenty of volume. So even the high-level deeper ads in rookie season. Or just on the back of your debt chart when they finally get opportunity and do well on it often get undervalued because everyone's trying to out genius everyone else everyone's gonna like this player even though he has lower draft capital and was taken low in drafts and had a worse profile so now i am gonna sell them so why not try and get ahead of that window the caveat to that is we're gonna miss a lot and we are gonna have to be disciplined when we grab one of our favorite players say Rashi rice or marvin mims or from this year's draft, Tank Dell, for me personally, is a difficult one. Or even Tank Bigsby, if we're going to go running back and be really strong about it. Smaji Pirine is someone I've sent alofted a few offers out using this tactic. Can we add as many third and fourth round picks over the next few years? Especially in season, I think it's going to work, like I said. But I've been starting to throw them out now. Thinking of them not as chances to get those rookies, but essentially... Early waiver priorities. Now, the goal here would be within that 70% of leagues, is a way of trying to exploit micro markets more strongly and more often because you end up with more of those players that have more of those windows either in the preseason or actual value opportunities in season. And by moving down the road and continuously trading for things that people rightly don't hold in high regard could net us exponential growth in the future as we move forward. One of those guys will be Antonio Gibson, but we have to stay disciplined about it and trade them away when that performance comes up. And specifically putting him in that category. Now, as a player who, dynasty player, builds a lot of squads constantly looking for running back, I think this will fit quite naturally into the way I build teams. And on really hyper-competitive teams, I might forego the discipline, as it were. But I do think it's going to work best if, as a tactic, we are continuously, at different points in the year, sending out good depth, but definitely depth players, for picks that no one cares about whether that team you're trading for is trying to be more highly competitive or more highly building, we're targeting the 30% of leagues that are at the bottom and at the top and trading them either young players who might suddenly have more opportunity to garner value and so they're more interested in acquiring them or we're targeting the so-called veteran depth or the deep running back rosters that we hold like Miles Gaskin who suddenly escalated in value again because of a trade or Samaje Ryan because off offseason decisions on the roster that didn't get made or injuries behind Jonathan Taylor we suddenly have Zach Moss and Evan Hull popping off in value. And not trying to garner second or tear it up or turn it into first round picks, but be willing to turn it into even more multiple third and fourth round picks. Because if we do that enough, we're going to be continuously increasing our chances of actually hitting on the Austin Ecclers. And also occasionally being able to combine them with something else to do some of those other types of trades. Tearing up, moving for sophomores, or looking for value opportunities in the micro-markets of the sleeper category or the onesie position. It's a very thin potential and it only works if we're willing to put everyone we get from those picks into the category of these are just early waiver priorities and my purpose is to move them on to keep it going down the road. If we try it once and it works and we don't trade that player then they just become the other potential roster clog and we're opening ourselves up to the risk that we're actually trying to manage to escalate our value and give us some extra opportunities in point scoring as the season moves on. And becoming more or less interested in certain types of those players is just a natural way of other dynasty teams operating. And we will be too still, but in this one regard, we're looking for early waiver priorities, specifically from the rookie class, not dynasty hit rates, because the third and fourth round hit rates suck. And if we're disciplined, we will trade away more players who end up being nothing or only small, only valuable through a small period of time. Then we are trading away players before their real value hits further on down the line. And we can also add context to this. If a player is really impressive, we might up our game in terms of what we expect to do with that player. But anyway, that's one of the trades, a tactic I'm literally trying to employ in my dynasty leagues right now. The minute I thought of it, because I try to test things out before I tell other people about it, but on this podcast, I think it's okay to roll out ideas that I'm trying because I'm not advocating for it. And I don't think this is revolutionary, but I think I can fit this into the process I use to play dynasty and if I do it right and if I'm disciplined and I manage to keep these categor- these types of players I acquire and don't acquire from these types of moves in that category in my head of these are early waiver priorities I want to constantly churn in terms of looking for big opportunities that we can't expect. But they can- you can expect them if you have every third round pick, you should get the one every year who ends up being somewhat relevant. And ultimately, that's what we're trying to do, monopolize those third, fourth round picks in advance over the next few years by making these very small trades in a tactical sense to try and churn the bottom of our roster more actively, and end up with less free agent running back and wide receiver drops after roster cuts happen, because essentially we trade them away before that, or we end up with an increasing number of ones who are actually relatively interesting as we get into the season. And in-season it will work as well, because those players who actually have pass-to-opportunity will become increasingly interesting to the 15% at the top of our leagues, because they're more competitive and can make more use of them where the most of us sit in that 70% and that 15% will just only be interested in them if they're like 18 years old or whatever anyway I think that's a tactic we can employ in Dynasty offering fair trades that your league mates don't have to throw out because I know what you're trying to do you're actively trying to help their rosters by essentially losing the back of your roster to get early waiver priorities that you are more willing to trade anyway and your advantage is that if we keep thinking of them as early waiver priorities these are here to consistently move on till I'm monopolizing the third and fourth round picks for only depth value that I either add off the waiver wire or in my own own third and fourth rounds then we will be able to improve our team and help other teams with fair trade offers both to get the picks and then later to move the players. I don't know. I think this could be a useful way of thinking about that level of lack of value picks and a way to utilize them in Dynasty. But let me know what you think. Again, you can hit me up on Twitter at PAHowdy or on the Dynasty Grind every week at 9.30pm Eastern Standard Time on Twitch and on YouTube Live. Um, I'd be happy to hear from you. And uh, yeah. Tune in next week. I'm going to try and make it weekly when I try to describe or explain or expand upon another possible dynasty tactic. Ones that are actionable and how they might fit into a dynasty process to improve your team. Let me know. Thanks very much and I'll see you next time.